Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, boy. Welcome in to Snow the Goalie, the NHL trade deadline special. I'm Russ Joy. That's Bundy. And our man, our, our Shefty of sorts, our Darren Digger, <laughs> our, our McKenzie, our whatever, Anthony Sample, who'll be here in a minute. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, right before we came on, you know, we, we spent all day kind of saying, all right, Chuck, this is your moment. We spent all week. We spent a month saying this is Chuck's moment to shine. This is it. And uh, 30 plus deals had been made. The Flyers did make a trade. We can confirm they did make a trade. Zach McEwen is gone. Goodbye. Huge move. Uh, it could fundamentally alter uh, the Stanley Cup champ, uh, chances of the Flyers, not just this year, but in the long term. So welcome in. The funniest thing here, Bundy, as I throw this to you, um, I don't know if there has ever been a time that everyone has known what this team is supposed to do. The coach came out and said what this team is supposed to do. Uh, fans, pundits, media, everyone knew what the Flyers had to do. The GM said it. The coach said it. We're sellers. We have to sell. And yet, with 13 minutes to go, we have one trade. We yeah. One one trade has been made. Ant put out on Twitter that there is a chance here that um, you're going to see JVR moved uh, before the deadline to Detroit. Still waiting on details. Um, but now Darren Drager says, as of a minute ago, oh boy, things changing fast on JVR. Folks, yeah. I don't know how to say this in a nice way. And I, I assume that you're here because you want to vent. We already have 36 comments on the feed that's been live for two minutes. I assume people are angry, Bundy. Anything can happen here in the next 12 minutes before the deadline. Of course, there's that little bit of a buffer zone after three o'clock where some last minute deals that have to process could still go through. But how the hell is this happening? So Because um, I'll tell you how. Are you asking or are you, are you yeah, making please. a comment? No, Be I'm, I'm asking you. I'm asking you. you because pal. it goes back to the same thing that we've talked about. I mean, I've been on this on this for over – I said two years on Twitter earlier. I've been talking about a rebuild. They wouldn't mention it. We were the only ones that ever said, this is garbage. This is not a winning formula. There's not – so here's where they're at right now. At the end of the day, you have a guy that you need to move into JVR because that's just what happens. You're on a team with no playoffs, and you have a guy that is on an expiring contract. You think they'd be fielding a ton of offers. The problem is, is where do you play him on a contender? You can't put him anywhere. If I'm a so, if I, I'm sitting here saying to myself, how does Steve Eiserman gonna fit that guy into a really a guy that really really knows what he's doing in terms of flipping lineups, rebuilding, uh, getting assets? I don't know. It, and, you know, then there was a Vegas rumor. I know that's fun. You can't play him on your on a top two line, even near a top two line on a really good contending team for where he's at in his career now. And that's been for about five years now. Yeah. So this is the problem they have. They can't get rid of anybody because there's not a lot of, whether or not someone's available, just because you say they're available doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else wants them. Yeah. You know, you can't, this is a situation. I mean, when you talk about what the assets you have, look at what they had to do with ghosts a couple summers ago, just to get rid of them. He gets flipped back because a couple of years are off his contracts. So we can go to Carolina for third. They don't have to pay to make him go away. But just look around the league at some of the waiver wire or, or some of the, the guys that were waived early in the week, like uh, Kapanen and in, in, in Pittsburgh. So when you waive a guy like that, 
Um, there is no takers for him. And he's a younger guy. So you could have had him for nothing. Why would you take JVR at a, at a higher contract expiring left after this year when you could have had a younger asset? That's just an, one example. So the problem is right now, other than the young guys, and I mean, I'm not sure what you could dump for the young guys. You have an injured Travis Konecti who really uh, has had a great year until the injury. Uh, I'd love to see a, a sample of that two or three years in a row where we know the consistency of the player. Um, and, and then you, but you're, you're a team that's, you know, we knew this was what it would look like. And I'm not going to say it, but this needed, people needed to be honest. And I could see the fans. I'm reading the comments like they're there. It's, this needed to happen a while ago. And to yeah. certainly be dead honest with people rather than having the coach come out and say, hey, you know, we, we need a rebuild. This is not working. And and when, you know, and then after the other night, uh, I'll be honest with you, Russ. I know it's a deadline. I've never been more pissed off in all my life the other night when I saw that Rangers crowd at the Wells Fargo. So that was, that was unbelievable to see that. Like it almost felt like I was living in an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. Oh, seriously. And uh, nobody was happy about that. You know, one wants to talk about it, but it's a reality. And like Tortorella said, like there's seats for someone who wants to go watch the Rangers. There's not an appetite for that. And that's what we have to change. Um, they've been, uh, the building experience this year, we've said it has been unbelievable. It's been great to go down there. I've enjoyed the, I've enjoyed the experience. So if people are looking to get a night out between here and another month of the season. It's been a great experience. Put the team aside, go down. Uh, they're going to try to fix it. <laughs> Someone's going to try to fix it, but the game experience itself has been good. It's been enjoyable. Um, the product on the ISO, however, it, it looks very much like a, a, a reeling spinning out of control top, um, with no direction where we have no idea in any vicinity it's going to land. So I don't now know we if, have, is, yeah, but and, if the plan and, is to just dump JVR at this point, um, I, it's going to listen. Gonna listen like there, we're, we're, we're about, let, we're about to let, let our, our man in here. All right. We're going to, yeah. uh, he's been, he's been working the phones out there, you know, and, uh, here he is. Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter at Philly. The guy who couldn't be bothered to join us here because he was working the phones and he was working over here, I believe, was his exact quote. So, uh, Ant, you've been working. I know that you've been working today. I- I've been working on my job all day. Bunny's been working on his job all day. Um, I am genuinely concerned here with eight minutes until the deadline that Chuck Fletcher, who loves Minnesota, thinks that he's on central time and has another hour to work here. Uh, h- how are things going over there, uh, Ant? Oh, just fantastic, right? Uh, been nonstop and you'll probably hear my phone going, going crazy here over the next 10 to 15, 20 minutes. Um, keep in mind that the trades do still get announced after the deadline, uh, because there's usually a backup at, uh, uh, at the NHL offices. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of craziness going on just to kind of, um, what I can tell you that I know, um, is that they're the flyers felt like that they had an agreement in place uh, with the Detroit Red Wings in some capacity. I don't want to say that it was JVR definitely going to Detroit. Maybe Detroit was going to be, um, uh, you know, a broker in a deal and then send JVR wherever, somewhere else. Um, And that was a thing and it was going to happen. Um, Multiple reports out there. Uh, I had it. uh, Elliot Friedman had it. Darren Drager had it. Uh, a lot of people had it. Um, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't. Uh, something went wrong. Something broke down and prevented it from Anthony from happening. 
Did, did he listen to the beginning of this podcast? Because that might have been the changer. <laughs> I missed. I missed the beginning of the podcast. So, I don't so know let me. But here, that. Anthony, let me let me just kind of bring you in and ask you the same thing we were talking about. Yeah. My issue with a JVR is not necessarily the fact that he's on the expiring contract and looks like it should be a desirable pickup for somebody looking to maybe pick up an odd goal coming right. in the lineup. My problem is with JVR deal for any team that thinks they're going to make themselves better. He can't play on your third and fourth line on a team. That is is he's not a checker, he's not a penalty killer, and he's and he can't play in your top two lines. So I don't like where is he? I, I mean, I hate to say it, the only place a guy like that kind of fits right now is with the Flyers, oh. right <laughs> here. Like, I mean, seriously, there's no, I don't know where you play him. Like, how could he be an advantageous for a Steve Eiserman Detroit team? I have no idea. This is nothing against JVR. It's right. against the contract, the situation. He is what he is. We all know that. But yeah. I don't know the answer to that because I don't know where you fit him in. Yeah, and I, and I already said this um, uh, in a private – well, not private. I, it was out on Twitter, but a quieter conversation because the Philadelphia fans probably aren't following um, uh, Winnipeg uh, reporters. But I was talking to a guy up there in Winnipeg because um, I guess their fans were, like, questioning why Nemesnikov and not JVR – and I said the same thing. I was like, I, I don't think that JVR is a good fit for you guys. Like, I, I, I think you got a better player and cost less, probably. Who cost them the deal? This is your fault. JVR is here because of you. <laughs> but no, I said that to him. I said, you know, I, like, I don't think that, you know, he fits that, that team. And I'm not sure that – I think that you're right. I'm not sure that there is a team where he's a real fit. The only thing you can, can, you can consider is maybe a team um, – that you know, and I, I like Colorado was interested, right? And so maybe you look at Colorado and you say, "Hey, we have so much talent here anyway, right?" Throwing him onto one of those lines and and using him more as like a power play specialist, yeah, uh, you know, in, in that kind of role, maybe that's a good fit for him. Um, I, I Seattle pushed hard, like Seattle was really in on this, and I I, I don't know, I like I don't know what what happened there. Um, I haven't heard anything about Vegas dropping out. Vegas was interested as well. Like, I, but again, I think that you're right. Like, I, I don't know where exactly he fits uh, on on these contending teams, other than maybe a Colorado type team because that, there's so much right. talent. But uh, yeah. but other than that, I I don't know. Guys, I want to make sure that we we pay a little bit of respect here to the many people who are tuned in. It looks like we have over 200 people checking in right now uh, across YouTube. Facebook and, and Twitter, um, a, a lot of upset people. And, and I don't know if you have access to that. Bundy, sh Bundy does. I think you should well, as well. I'm sure uh, I do, but I'm in, not in our, in our back end here, but yeah. there, there are just, I mean, it's, it's scrollable, 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 scrollable quotes, uh, and, and messages. And this even went before the show came on we had people at two Oh five lining up to, you know, drop, drop questions and comments and concerns. But I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like we have to get to some of these, but at the same time, like I, Listen, I, I'm not going to bury Chuck Fletcher today. I'm not going to do it. I did it on Tuesday. I will do it every day. Today is not the bury Chuck Fletcher day. It can be. I would be happy to make it. I'm going to let the fans do it this time. Because what we have seen here is just like, and how many times have I said institutional arrogance or how many times have I said organizational malpractice? Here's what happened, okay? And three minutes left. Is there a chance that a Seattle re-engages? Is there a chance that another team re-engages on JVR? Maybe, who knows? What did I say to you on Tuesday, Ant? You said JVR 100% will not be here. And I said to you, and I don't have the quote, and I don't have the little video ready to go. I said, you can't say with 100% certainty that Chuck will move a guy because that gives Chuck too much credit. Here's what happened, okay? 
None of this matters. You, you know, you want to say Iserman, you know, backed out of a deal or Philly thought they had a deal in place and Detroit backed out, whatever. There were many players with not great cap hits moved at this deadline. Some who are almost as useless of a player, no offense, as JVR is right now. Chuck, it appears from the outside, decided to hold on to JVR until as close to the deadline as possible to start a bidding war or to engage players. There, there are three or four teams. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, I'm going to stop you You said three or four teams are engaged. I'm going to stop you for a second. I really am. And that's not to say, look, you know me. You know where my stance is with this guy, right? So you know that I don't think he should even be here running this trade deadline. Who's Um, he? Chuck Fletcher, right? Okay, but I do want to say that you you can't look if these four teams let's just say vegas seattle colorado detroit let's just say those those are the mm-hmm. four teams uh that were really you know most interested in james van Riemsdyk. if that's the case and they've expressed to you that they're the teams that that have interest they also can control the timing of things they can control when the final offer is presented right i mean chuck may want to trade him two weeks ago but the fact of the matter is is that he might not have the control on that. Um, Elliot Friedman reporting now, Patrick Brown to Ottawa. Um, so there's Big a move. there's a trade. Uh, well, we we kind of expected that to happen, right? Um, we we kind of expected that there would be a, a Patrick Brown move, um, but that one's that. But one's those in. those are the easy moves. Those are the guys that people yeah. will take, right? Like yeah. you'll take you could dump if you had three Patrick Browns, you could trade all three of them. Because there's yeah. always a place. If it, you can't put him on the ice, you can put him in the press box and wait for an injury. That's a luxury with having a Patrick Brown, that type of a player, right? And Ottawa's looking to plug some some holes that they feel they have at the bottom of their lineup in terms of defensive um, defensive help. So that that's a move that makes sense. Um, but man, I'll tell you what, like it's 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 it really is tough, guys. And I was saying, Anthony, like before, like you know, guys are getting waved, like players like Kasperi Kapanen, right? Like I'm not saying he's a dynamo player right now; he's been around for a few years, but he's he's getting waved and not picked up, and that just shows you a little bit of how hard it is to make a trade. If guys that are have like years left and are younger players are not getting even picked up off of waiver wires, it's really hard to expect guys to make trades right. uh, for for guys with expiring contracts that you're not sure are going to fit in your lineup. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right, and and uh, you know the, we have to figure out what the the whole JVR story is, right? I mean, um, if they don't trade James Van Riemsdyk, if that fell through and he gets nothing for JVR, that is that's got to be the final nail in the coffin. That should have been done a while ago, right? I mean, you cannot let that go. I mean, he's he was literally the best thing you had not that it was great right yeah. but you could at least get something uh for the guy um and, and if all you're walking away with is a late round pick for patrick brown and a late round pick for zach McEwen, you know that holy hell <laughs> this is this is ridiculous listen so, well, zach, but, zach but I, I don't want to i don't want to go there yet it so it turns out it's a sixth round pick Six uh, for, yeah. for Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown. Six. Uh, let me. And I'm gonna. I know we're gonna put this in the podcast feed, but for all the people who are uh, you know tuning in here at some point, uh, let me let me just make a, a breaking scroller here. Uh, Flyers trade. It, it was a, a sixth round pick. Yes. Okay. In tw- twenty three. Ooh. Okay. Okay. 
Good. So um, back here in, in, in reality, uh, where many of us have been living for quite some time, this is the ultimate F up. I'm going to try not to curse on the stream today. This is about as bad as it can get. This is about as missed of an opportunity as you could have had. And, you know, I've spent 18 months saying this isn't the guy to build this thing. This isn't the guy to turn it around. And it's just like, here's another missed opportunity. You know, and you said uh, last week and you even said earlier this week, Chuck can't screw up the deadline. You know, like if, 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 you, if you keep him versus moving him, he's not going to do something that's going to totally screw up the deadline. And you let can me, make the argument. Let me if, just if, let me let me interrupt. Um, yeah. I just was told JVR was not traded. He was not. He is not traded. No, I got a pretty good source saying the same thing. JVR, so JVR has JVR not, not been moved. traded. But that that goes back so Russ and Anthony because Anthony's been on it too. It's exactly what we said, guys. There's no place on a team that is a contender. So no team. You're not going to trade him unless some. I mean, who's out of the playoffs is going to want that? Arizona, why, why, could Arizona for, why, why would Arizona not have been a team, right? They have a hard time getting to the floor. Like, why why can't you figure out a, a deal to send to send him to a team like that that needs to reach the salary floor? That, like, I I don't know, guys. Like, there, there were bad players moved this this deadline. I know that JVR is not a good player at this point. He's a good locker room guy. Because he doesn't fit in anywhere, Russ, on the ice. It's exactly what I said. I guarantee you Chuck talked to every team. Someone did. They can't give a guy away that's not going to be of any value to a playoff team. He can't score you 35 goals anymore, so you can't play him in the top two. If you're a top eight team right now, just look at those top eight teams and go look at their top two lines. It's pretty easy. Yeah. There's no room for him. And then go look at their top, their third and fourth line. You can't put that guy on the fourth line in a playoff. He's going to hurt you defensively. He's not going to score you any goals because he's not up at the top. And he's going to be in the press box. You'd rather have a younger guy that can give you depth on those depth lines unless you can make a good trade to, for a top two um, line forward. But that's not the case here. So what are you left with? And I'm going to tell you right now. You're probably staring down the barrel of a Kevin Hayes, the same Kevin Hayes thing you're staring at right now. You're looking at, and if they don't make something happen quick, either this summer, you're going to have another JVR on your hands in two years. Yeah, I, I, I want to kind of address that a little bit. I And again, this is, <clears throat> we're, we're talking about Chuck Fletcher doing this, but I want to kind of take, take people through a little bit because this also involves people outside of, the agent, I mean, outside of the organization, meaning the agents. Um, so Bundy, as you know, there are times when a general manager will ask an agent, uh, when he says, look, we want to move your player. You see if you could find, go out and, and ask around, see if you can find a spot for your guy. Right. And so I, I'm, uh, I was told that there was a lot of, a lot of that on, on Kevin Hayes's part. Problem is, is that you weren't going to be able to move Hayes at the deadline. Just it's just it's just too hard to do. You'd have to give something up at this point um, to get rid of that contract at this time. Plus, with so many teams operating right up against the cap, I'm not even certain that if you brokered it through a third party that you would you would be able to get it done. Um, yeah, but but it's down the road though, that's what yes, you have well, to look at. Yes, so. and so so that's where I'm going with this, right? So I was told that. There uh, were some conversations um, with with uh, teams and and especially one team um, where he looks like he could go in the offseason. Um, again, this is Chuck working this deal with the agents. The agent comes back, tells Chuck, then they talk to the other general manager and, you know, they start putting 
you know, the, some some kind of general feeling in place um, of, of what they can do and how they can make it work. Um, and, and the team that I was that I'm told is the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, it, which is kind of an interesting thing because that's where Johnny Gaudreau is. Um, but but uh, so so is it possible that that kind of a deal would be there, um, or is kind of being put in place now? to be announced at the end of the year, in the summer, whatever, before the draft, certainly. It certainly is. And could the Flyers retain some salary at that time? It certainly could. Oh, absolutely. 100% guarantee they will. But but here's the question that I now have, Bundy. If Chuck Fletcher is fired and replaced, which still is a big if, right, then how do you redo – like, does somebody else go in and say – Oh yeah, that's still okay, and and the deal's fine. Or do they go in and say, no, I don't like it. Well, I want something different, and then it doesn't happen. Like there's so much fluidity to it, so that even something that I'm that you hear today and and we're told today, and I checked in with somebody in Columbus who I, I know and respect very well, saying that they they're hearing the same thing, but can that blow up again? Can that blow up because of it? Right? I mean, you know, how do you how do you get there? Um, so it, it's just, it's just wild. This whole, the whole day is always wild, but I've never seen this kind of failure at this point. I mean, if you had to have something, if and, there were yeah. four teams interested, one, they all had to make some sort of offer. Bingo, 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 bingo. So that if the one deal that you have falls through, how do you not ha- go back to one of the other ones and say, okay. We're going to come back to you. We're, we're good now. Like, this we'll is the pro- but like, this I, is I the problem know. with with waiting. I know that you said that like you're you're at the. I, you listen, I get it. You don't have to. You don't. It. You don't control it, Russ. I mean, it it sounds simple. It sounds easy. You should have done this two weeks ago. Of over an hour ago. Hold on, but over an hour ago, you yourself were tweeting about teams that were interested in JVR over an hour ago. Yes. This Detroit thing. This Detroit thing should have been banged out more than an hour ago, or it should have been banged up forty five minutes ago, which would have given you time. Here's the thing. This Russ, they, I, came I, in, I they came into I, it I, so late, Russell. They I came into it so late. I, all four nobody, teams did. Nobody, all four no, teams. Detroit did, and that was the okay. one that fell apart. Detroit was the one that came into it. Nobody had Detroit mentioned in this. Nobody. Not, there was not a person who talked to me, talked to anybody else. Even Drager puts it out there saying that there was a little bit of a surprise that they entered it late in the game. And it was like 45 minutes before the deadline. So – all of a sudden, somebody comes to you with a deal that is better than anything else you have at that point. Well, of course, you should try and look into it and try and make it happen. Here, and, here's a, and so, I mean, you a, can't kill them for that. But yeah. I, that's, that's not saying that he, didn't, that he shouldn't have had something else ready. But you can't kill him for saying, well, he should have done it weeks ago or last week. It, sometimes this is just how Hours it happens. Ago. Hours yeah, ago. well, we said he needed to start prepping for this in December, Anthony. Like when you got yeah. a team, and then so here's the problem: is there's so many little road road or obstacles along the way, or little things you have to hop over. When the coach comes out and finally says, "Yeah, we need a rebuild. Like this is not fair. This is not the team we should be presenting." Then when that happens, in the and I'll, I'll say the Rangers have done it, teams have done it. They sell immediately. They sell everything at that deadline to show the fans we are rebuilding. And, and that the year of the Rangers, where they they remember they sent the letter out to their fan base, they a few years ago they dumped out they dumped everybody they yeah. dumped salary they then they really didn't and they ended up being bad they got those two high picks and and Capo and uh, Lafreniere, um, 
but I'm wondering, Anthony, you know, I'm, I'll have to look at it. I don't have the info on me, but I wonder how many other teams that were out of the playoffs that had a player that was perhaps once sought after did not a- were not able to move that type of player. I wonder, is there, so what I'm saying, is there another JVR on another team like the Flyers that that team was unable to move at the deadline? Well, I mean, that's a good question, but I mean, so the, the, the comparator that I'm, that I'm making for today, I mean, again, you got to look at what, what happened today. Uh, and, and it was, you know, Winnipeg was also one of the teams that was checking in on, on JVR, but they didn't like him enough to, to offer more than what they offered for Nemesnikov, which was fourth round pick in 25, right? I mean, so that's what they were offering. That was like, okay, that's the kind of player we're looking for. Here's the furthest we're willing to go. And the Flyers thought they could get more. And so Winnipeg was like, all right, well, fine. If you think you get more, then we're going to go and go get this guy. Um, But so you could, now, if you want to make an argument, Russ, and I think it's fair to do this, to say that he overvalued him, then okay. Then I think that's a very fair criticism. I just don't think you can look at the timing of things because the, you, a lot of times timing is not in under your control. What the what your asking price is can be adjusted by you, and that is within your control. So therefore, if you want to criticize from that perspective, go to town. Go nuts. You're 100%. I'll co- right. No, I, I'll, I will complain from a very rational standpoint. This team on Tuesday... The coach and the GM, the president of Hockey Ops, which I will continue to say, by the way, because before we have Dave Scott go and like push his buddy Chuck Fletcher to like stay as the president and bring in Danny Breer to be the GM. Let's not forget the person who built the damn thing and is probably going to stay in power again and get to oversee the whole Hockey Ops side through this nonsense again. Okay. Tuesday, they said, we are sellers. We are sellers. You know what sellers do, Anthony? They sell. They don't just sell Patrick Brown. They don't just bring back Zach McEwen to then send him out. It's BS. It's nonsense. It's garbage. It's inexcusable. Since those two went out on Tuesday, there were more than 35 trades made in the National Hockey League in a league that we have been told nonstop for two years is in a flat cap. It's going to be hard to make trades. It's going to be difficult to make trades. What this looks like is the same damn thing that happened multiple trade deadlines in a row with this man at at the helm. It looks like he woke up after a rough night, picked up his phone and said, oh, crap, I only have an hour left to do anything. It's not okay. If you want to say it might be overvaluing players, then fine. That is a problem. But guess what? Get something. James Van Riemsdyk has no value to you. He has none. There's no yeah, but he, didn't have, he doesn't have any for anybody else either. That's the problem. But Bundy, oh, that's Russ, fine. Russ, but that's here's fine, the deal. Nobody teams. wanted him. You couldn't give him away with a stick bag for a bag of pucks. You couldn't. It just said four teams were in on him. Well, then that's what happened? Teams. Because they probably had two or three other guys. So, okay. So the only other thing you could have done at 258 is send everybody a letter saying, here, here's JVR. If you want him, we'll take him for a bag of pucks. And if you can't give us a bag of pucks, we'll take it in 2026 then. They couldn't even do that. So this is what we're dealing with. It's almost like waving the guy in 24 hours and have nobody pick him up. It's the same thing. But yes, it's, it's frustrating. It's- and Anthony, is, so you go back into time. So let's say you wanted to trade JVR or somebody December 15th. And there's contract stuff involved. There's money involved. 
Just because you want to dump them on December 15th doesn't necessarily mean that the other team is ready to have them on December 15th. So I understand the timing thing with Anthony. That's why a lot of things add up to the deadline. Teams want to see how their team is playing, what their needs are, and that only happens – really, that's the truth. It happens beginning in March as you get more of an assessment of your team. That, I, I get what you're saying, Russ. I also get what Anthony's saying. It's not a per, it's no perfect science to it of when to try to get a guy. But my issue was when I said it, if they needed to get this guy and it was a priority to get it off the books – the process should have started a while ago, and if you did it, I would have believed in my heart of hearts that you could have dumped them. You could have gotten rid of them for something. And But again, when you say you're rebuilding, and the GM did say it, we need to get better through a rebuild. Finally, we've been, I've been saying it for over two years, that this team moving forward was not going to be a playoff caliber team. It's not. I knew it. I sat by the ice for four years, guys, and did radio for eight or something before that. I've watched the whole transition of this team over the years. And what I'm seeing is the same thing. It's worked harder this year. It's been a better product to see because of the effort. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the fans want to see players with talent. You want to see guys come in with an opportunity to try to win. And that follows suit what John Tortorella said this week. This is not it. We don't deserve to have a sold out building essentially right now. And if the Rangers, that I don't want to get into that again. It makes me sick watching that crap the other night from the Rangers. Honestly, guys, yeah. I want to. I'm not going to swear. I'm not doing it, but that's the closest Should I've come. That pissed me off to okay. a point where I've never, like, I saw them stand up like they're going to do the wave. If I were there, I, I, I might have lost it. Like, that was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in Philly. And just for the sports, like, it doesn't happen. You're just not used to seeing that at Flyers games. It's just, it's it's unheard of. Um, but when, the, you know, the, the, but Torch said it. And, and he said pretty much the same thing, guys, we've been echoing for a while. And if you look at this team, you picked up Patrick Brown. Zach McEwen was a popular guy in the room. And I know he's an asset you always have to possibly move for what you're getting. But, man, there's not a lot not a lot of salary coming off this. You're still hitched to a lot of guys. Uh, there's no salary dump. Uh, and, by the way, uh, there's no chance of getting Jordan Greenway anymore, Anthony, because Buffalo decided they were going to give away a second and a fourth for a fourth-line player. And that right there may be the win. Well, we didn't have a second and fourth to give away for right, a fourth right, rider. So, right. so we're okay with that one. Um, but this is this is this is so, it's just it's just it's very tough, guys, because of the of, of the caliber of player that they have that other teams want for the money that is involved with it. it it's a it's a mess. So it let is. me let, let me let me say with what let me let me just kind of break this down in, in this capacity for you guys too. So when you really look at the grand grand scheme of things here, right? I mean the Flyers didn't have a lot to give up. I mean, that's how bad the team is right now. Is yeah. They just didn't have a lot to give up. So we're talking about JVR as like the like like he's, you know, he would have brought in the greatest return in the history of hockey. But the reason everybody's feeling that way is because of it's one misstep after another, after another, after another. And honestly, whether they had a fourth-round pick in 2025 or a third-round pick in 2026 or a bag of pucks or whatever, just making the trade would yes. have made people happy. Yes. Like, just make it. Like, it doesn't matter what they would have gotten. That people would have just been happy that there was activity, that there yes. was action. So, like, the rest of the stuff doesn't matter, right? In essence, they weren't – this is what I was trying to say to you. Chuck screwed up today. But really didn't. He screwed up because he really is a bad general manager. And how do you not move the easy, you know, the, the best asset that you're that you have that's expiring at a, at the deadline? But like we were saying all along, he really can't screw up the deadline because he can't make things worse. Like this didn't get the team didn't get worse today. He just didn't do what he should have done. 
So ultimately, the anger here is more about his incompetence than it is about, well, how come he didn't get this or how come he didn't do that, right? I think that that's more of it. And, and there's no doubt. There's no doubt that he is incompetent. There's no doubt yeah. that he's a terrible general manager. We've seen it now play out for so long. And this this should be the last straw that you the fact that you can't even get the, a seventh round pick at any point for a guy who teams were interested in. That's that's on him. I, I don't know how that how it benefits you to hang on to him in any way, shape, or form. And you have a fan on YouTube, Ryder Van Dyke, who says this podcast needs answering reality to the situation. So <laughs> well, that's, that's one. That's, that's one. the reality. That's like how many fans right? Chuck Fletcher has. No, but th- I mean, I, gen- am I wrong with that? I, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Because explain because how, the, Russ. The, because the inability <laughs> to get anything. I, I'm not even saying anything of value. To, the inability point. to get anything. But this is my point. Makes you worse. No, no, no. Because you said he can't. He can't mess it up. He can't make it worse. He did because you now are stuck on the hook to pay this guy to do nothing. And, and to what you said earlier, there were four teams that were interested. You could have at least gotten a flyer on something, right? Like, you, you never know. A six-round pick? Probably nothing. Probably never amounts to anything. Probably is absolutely of, of no value whatsoever, but there is always that chance. It's a lottery ticket. You don't have a lottery ticket right now. You have James Van Riemsdyk to go out there and kind of, like, trudge around. Uh, like, if we put you on skates, Ant, okay. you know, or but, we put me on that, skates. I can't skate very well, so it, Russ, it would also really, be embarrassing. I mean, but like, really. Let, right, let's just let's – be, let's be fair. Okay, let's be fair here for a second. Let's just imagine that the Flyers had a uh, a good season last year. Let's just say okay. they had a good year, made the playoffs. Maybe they got bounced in the playoffs. And that this year turned out to be one of those years, you know, Bundy talks about all the time. Hey, sometimes you just have a shit year, right? So maybe yeah. that happened. He cursed. Okay? He cursed, Bundy. We're allowed to curse now. I was no longer a clean show. Damn cursing. Anthony Damn Waller, cursing on Cursing here. is back on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I did. I was the first one in to the do car, it. Um, but, no, but now. seriously, I mean, let's let's just say that that was the case. Right. And you come into this into this deadline and this is and this is what happens. And you're are you really upset at that point that you didn't trade James Van Riemsdyk and get something for him? No, you're probably not. The reason you're upset, Russ, is because he has failed so many times before. And this is just another experience where you're where you're finding it. We're finding failure. It's not that there's value here. Right. So that's what that's what I'm telling you is that that's where the anger is. The anger is in the fact that he failed again to do something. And that's something that would have just been even even if it was a a pointless draft pick. Seventh round, like you said, yeah, it could be a lottery ticket. OK, but so what? Like like if like I said, if it was a, if last year was good, you're not complaining that he didn't get a lottery ticket for James Van Riemsdyk. But because they've been bad for so long and because he's been terrible at his job for so long everybody's at you know up in arms i'm not saying that they shouldn't be they should be but let's let's just have a dose of reality and just sit here and say they weren't making or breaking anything today right i mean nothing was really going to happen that was going to sit there and go oh yes great job flyers you're on the road to recovery now nothing was going to happen today on in that regard and we try i tried to warn everybody with that over the last few days but what Um, but that's the other yeah, the other side of it, though, Anthony, that people are seeing is that Patrick Brown got moved for a six-round pick. Bingo. You know, so there, there's the the other side of it. Zach McEwen got moved. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> but again, it's the, it's guys. It's I'm telling you right That's now, a, those are it, fits, though, Bundy. 
Yeah, I, I know, but I'm still saying, like, Anthony, we're at a point where you couldn't trade him. I would have traded him for anything, and I wasn't joking about the – I mean, the puck yeah. bag was being sarcastic. Give it to me in three years. But what I'm saying is is that they, they move those guys, and so you're saying to yourself that if, if I'm a GM in another team and I, and I have a playoff contender, I just don't know where I fit him in. And that's that's what I'm telling people. I don't know where to fit him in. Someone said on here, look, like, can you give him, like, a late-round pick? If somebody – thought he was worth that or that, that that's what they needed him that bad, they would have given that pick away. You are right in the sense that, I mean, you were only getting a late-round pick for him, and that's the end of it. I mean, it's not like there's a playoff push coming. We know where, where, where we're at. But I think at the same time, from just people seeing that the organization's trying to make that change, I think that's why you had to, to find a way to, to make that contract disappear at the deadline or before this. Right. That's, it's Again, but it, your point is, is well taken. But it's, it's, it's optics at this point. It's it's optics. Like you wanted that would at least show that you're doing what you said you were going to do, right? That's at least saying yes, we're selling, and then you sell even if you get nothing for him. But okay, you, you're you're telling us the truth. You, you're selling. Um, but the but the real what I'm saying is, is what my argument is and again not defending Chuck Fletcher, but the argument that I'm making back is is that let's not get upset over the fact that they didn't trade James Van Riemsdyk. Let's just get upset at the fact that this man is still in charge who can't do the job. I, I think that there's they are two separate things, and I think that it, the anger should be more the second and really not the first. Everybody's been angry except for the owner. Everybody except Dave Scott has been angry. He's the only one who could make a change. He keeps sticking his head in the sand, acting like there's nothing wrong. Or Bill Barber in his ear keeps telling him that it's fine. Or Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren are saying it's okay. He's going to be able to pull him out. What are we doing? It doesn't matter what people say right now, Ant. It doesn't matter if people have been angry no, for right. 18 months like I have. It doesn't matter if they've been mad for six months like you have. It doesn't matter if they've been mad for 15 months like Bundy's been. It doesn't matter. None of us matter because the person who can actually make the change seems either incompetent or is unwilling to make a move that everyone knows needs to be made. I had somebody from another organization shoot me a text today about two hours before the deadline and said, quote, did Chuck lose his phone? I mean, I don't, I'm just saying, God, like, this is so insane. This man did not bring a championship pedigree. I compared him to a contractor on Tuesday's show that he was unable to go in and fix any of the problems that Hextall had left behind. And he was also unable to do anything of, of real value with his time in five years as the president or the GM and then eventually as the president of the team. And now I, I just come back to this. Chuck Fletcher to me, and I'm going to be very careful how I say this. I'm going to use a different analogy because of respect for Bundy and what Bundy does. Chuck Fletcher is like the embodiment of Jekyll and Hyde. Chuck Fletcher comes out every six months and is Dr. Jekyll. He comes out and he says, it appears though we are on our way to doing something good. We are on our way to building this thing yeah. and we are going to make this team great and we're going to build it the right way. And then that Dr. Jekyll goes to sleep and Hyde comes out and plays for six months. And Hyde goes out and, and signs Travis Sanheim to an eight-year deal that no one else would give him. Hyde goes out and refuses to, or, or, you know, to your point, perhaps 
broker is a potential deal that maybe could bear fruit in the summer if Columbus decides to play. Hmm, I wonder if Columbus is interested. I wonder why Columbus doesn't want to make a deal with the Flyers today. Could it perhaps be that Columbus realized a couple months ago that they're not a good team, that they're probably going to need to be a seller? And oh, by the way, they're trying to get one of the top four stars, including a potential generational talent at the top of the draft because they're not run by a moron. Like maybe it's that. But Hyde continues to come out here. Chuck Hyde keeps coming out, makes, makes poor decisions, makes poor trades, just shows absolutely little to no competence in the role that he has been given by this organization. And I guarantee, I, I don't know, I think he was supposed to meet with the media. He might have met with the media. He probably went out and like spewed some bullshit like he not, usually not does. Not yet, not yet. Ten well, right, okay, so he's, he's waiting. He's watching. Chuck, you screwed up, all right? And if there is, if there is a, a hockey god out there, you will not have a job in two or three months. Because what you have done, you and Dave Scott, you, what you have done is allow this team to be run into absolute irrelevancy. We, over the past week, have gotten multiple tweets, emails, texts, messages on Facebook from 40-plus year season ticket holders, 20-plus season ticket uh, year ticket holders, 10-plus year season ticket holders who have said, I'm done, I'm out. I'm done. After what this organization has done, after what Dave Scott has done by continuing to enable Chuck Fletcher to do whatever the hell it is that he does, they're done. Sports Talk Radio brought it up. I went on with the cuz yesterday. We talked about it for a little bit, right? He said it. We're going to talk about the Flyers on the radio today. This was after the Rangers took over Wells Fargo Center. We're going to talk about them today. And as much as I hate it, we're probably not going to talk about them for a few more months. And as callers continue to call in and send to their text board at the Fanatic, it was, I didn't even realize the Flyers were playing on national TV. I had no idea. That's what losing and that's what building a crappy product year in and year out has done. And that is the damage that Chuck Fletcher has done. But more importantly, that is the damage that Dave Scott has continued to allow to be yeah, it's, it's an It's an enablement situation. Yes. And see, when you, give, when you come with that anger and that vitriol, Russ, you're spot on. You're right. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. And this is where you're, I think you're now kind of coming more towards my argument and my agree, and agreeing with me more. It's, it's more about the whole body of work and not specifically about today. Today really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's the full body of work and, and just nothing happening today is just another example of just how bad it is, right? Um, so anyway, I uh, just wanted to put out that uh, Sarah Volley just put a tweet out. Um, it said that the uh, Detroit had obstacles that they needed to get through to make it happen. Um, and it, it never got to the point of being done. Um, and that the Flyers pushed but could not find a taker, even if they were retaining 50% of the salary. So that goes into what Bundy was saying, that even, even at – 50% of what's left, which is, I mean, it's a big contract, but I mean, how much real dollars are we talking, uh, you know, in the last year of this contract, uh, it's not a lot of money and that there was no other taker at that point. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's damning too, but at the same time, yes, Russ, this is your, this is where you're right. This is, this is where you're right about Chuck Fletcher. Um, but yeah, it's you. So you could you could make that argument all day long, and I won't interrupt you. I'm I'm right there with you on it at this point. Can I can I just throw this out as as a, a hypothetical? And this is why I'm I think I'm especially angry. 
So you talked earlier and just catching people up. Thank you for, for joining the stream on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, wherever else we've got well, almost 350 people tuning in. Thank you. That's pretty cool. Um, you can share this out, share the link out to your, your family and friends and all the Flyers fans or former Flyers fans who just want to watch the world burn for a little bit. Um, if, if Dave Scott had made a change, whether it was at the beginning of the year, whether it was around Christmas when we, we all agreed would have been the perfect time just prior to Christmas, even prior to you know teams not wanting to make decisions like that or just after juniors, right? If they had made a change at, the, at either GM, president of Hockey Ops, whatever, is this trade deadline different? I, I, it, you know, whether, it, it's, whether it's Danny Breer trying to make the trade JVR uh, or Anthony JVR or, or, or Hayes, Hayes it's, or, it doesn't, or it doesn't or change the player, Russ. Yeah. It's not because he's talking to someone else on the other line. It doesn't change what that player is. I mean, gee, unless you're stupid. I mean, that's, oh, I think I like this guy's voice better. So I'm going to trade for JVR today. It sounds like a good... Oh, I don't. Yeah. Oh, this is a good voice. We'll take him. We'll give you a sixth. I mean, it just doesn't work like that. It's it's. There's a lot of stuff involved. I, I just. No, I I think there would I I would have personally taken more if you're going to start doing things. I might have, might have started taking a look at maybe moving, trying to move more of your mid level guys. Yeah. Like if you're overhauling here, like you've had enough sample size of the guys that you think are your mid age core even though you just re-signed one for eight years. But, I mean, those are maybe where you have to start looking. Like, you have to start really being creative now because you're in a situation where you're probably going to have a Kevin Hayes around unless you're willing to spend that much money to make guys' contracts go away. Um, that's what you're looking at right now. So how do you get make the team better? Because, you know, once, once you look at your group and then you have, you know, three, four years, you're missing the playoffs with the same group of guys, the nature of the business is to change it. You cannot sustain status quo – with a losing roster and, and guys that are not propelling you deep into a playoff run. So it doesn't matter. I mean, that's why you got to be so sure with your contracts, you know, in terms of what you're doing to be, to be uh, uh, decisive, to know what you're doing, to be accountable to your team and, and to those contracts moving into the future. And if you're not, you wind up in salary cap hell where you can't give a guy away. And that's kind of what we're looking at right now. And, and, and I understand the, the fans' disappointment. You know, we've had time at this. This is, guys, If you, I think if you look at the, the trades, they, they gave away Patrick Brown and McEwen. And we retained, I believe, a fourth-round pick, a sixth-round pick, and an expiring contract to Brendan Lemieux from L.A. coming back here, who's going to give the Flyers a 20-game look. Um, but clearly, I don't know what happened there. Anthony, is there a reason they moved him? Was was, was that because it was an expiring contract and they weren't going to resign him? Probably, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there might have been some money kind of tied in it, but they saved a little bit, not a lot. It was like four hundred thousand. Um, but this time of year, sometimes Bundy, that those those uh, little bits of money help, right? I mean, you know, the Rangers they played two men short against the Flyers the other night because they were only one thousand dollars under the salary cap. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, this time of year, if you can save yourself four hundred thousand dollars, then save yourself four hundred thousand dollars, right? Um, so yeah, the Flyers got back two very late round picks, one this year, one next year, and flipped one expiring contract for another, um, and got traded away uh, a guy who's on an expiring contract. That's all that they did. That's that's really all that they did. So yeah. uh, it wasn't anything special. I, I will say the model for what you do with your team, um, complete honesty and self-evaluation. Uh, look at Washington and look at St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Stanley Cups in the last five or six years, right? That's just right fresh off it. You still got a lot of the same core. 
and they looked at themselves. Doug Armstrong, of course, I talked to you know Chief Baruby all the time, and you know, uh, but he doesn't critique his team. I mean, he knows the GM's got to make make those changes. But look at that. I mean, they move guys saying we cannot sustain it. We have players here that we're not winning with. Yes, we won before. Tarasenko, um, they're younger guys. They may have overpaid for some of those younger guys. Kairou, uh, Thomas. But look at Doug. Doug Armstrong's like, you know what? We're not going to win. We're not going to make our fans happier going into the season with the same roster, even though they won a Stanley Cup four years ago, three years ago. So how do we do it? We have to start retooling and rebuilding. And they're probably more of a retool, um, but not far away. And Washington, they probably knew last summer, haven't talked to people there, that they were very, very close to having to break the thing down. I think their biggest goal in the next couple of years will probably trying to get Ovechkin up over Gretzky's number while still putting an entertaining product on the ice because people will fill that building every night regardless to see Ovi play. So they already have that built in for two years for home games in Washington and the whole league in general, and that gives them a little bit of runway to kind of rebuild. Uh, same thing with St. Louis, you know, getting younger guys back for, for players. Uh, the Ryan O'Reilly trade nobody saw coming. It's a pretty good move by Doug Armstrong. You know, those are the, the, the visionary things you have to do to be able to forecast your team and to start every – it's never about holding it because every year guys get older, the team gets a little bit worse, right? That's just the nature of, of, of pro sports, the nature of guys getting older. So you have to be really, really smart and, and, and assessing and then start breaking it down slowly when you have a good team so you can build it back up and it doesn't take as long where you got to bust it all up. You got nothing you can move, and then you got to start from scratch in the draft and hoping that a free agent will come. That's another problem. Getting free agents becomes a problem because they simply see, like, you got Kevin Hayes here because of the big contract. You don't want to overpay too much to get guys here that aren't worth what you're going to pay them simply because it looks good. You have to hit a ceiling in the league, but you got to be really, really sure what you're doing. And one of the problems that does arise is getting guys to show up at the door in free agency because you have a team uh, that, again, that's forecasted to not go play beyond uh, April 15th. And that's something that most veterans don't want to do, especially on long term contracts. So I, I want to point out, Chuck Fletcher is set to meet with the media. Um, he apparently is going to be doing that on NBC Sports Philly, which we can try to stream here through, uh, through our stream and react to in real time, if, if it does happen here at some point in the, the not-too-distant future. It says, but, moment, it says momentarily. But apparently, apparently, the Flyers have opted not to stream this on their own social channels or YouTube. And... I, I wonder why. That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Well, they'll probably put they'll probably put it up after the fact, as opposed yeah, to yeah. stream it live. Well, because yeah. you, they know what the, they know what the response is going to be. If you stream that live, the comments are going to be insane through yeah. there. Like that are this, this fan base has had it. They've yeah. absolutely had it. There's no. I I can't. If there is a a a, a fan out there that is still sticking by. You know what the what the what the quote unquote plan is here. I don't know who that person. They're under a rock somewhere, uh, so it doesn't exist. I mean, that, it's that, a disgrace. Yeah, it's what I'm this, saying. The, the, there's fans who are still going to support the Flyers no matter what. Right? Sure. They're always going to be there. But the, the, I don't think that there is a vocal fan who's out there saying, "Yeah, I'm still cheering this on." Yeah, this, this is a, this plan's good. Not one, not one. You find me that person. Oh wait, and, hold on. And, Sorry, hold on. I, I hate to interrupt you, Pierre LeBrun. Uh, says the following. <clears throat> uh, Flyers GM Chuck Fletcher says he didn't receive a firm offer from any team on JVR. Says they spoke with one team about a trade concept, but it was conditional on that team making another move, and that move didn't happen. Worked the market hard past few weeks, but no fit. So let, let me translate, okay? 
he talked to multiple teams and multiple teams gave him, you know, told him what they were willing to pay. So he didn't receive a firm offer. That means that he didn't get an official offer from anyone. But that doesn't mean that teams didn't tell him what they were willing to pay for him. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Chuck, this is that's another that's another great lawyer move there, right? That's you know use use the what did he what did he say? It's all about terminology. Well, there's a terminology, Chuck Fletcher. There's your terminology coming back at you. Okay, you want to say, oh, I didn't receive a firm offer. Of course you didn't. That's not lying. You didn't receive a firm offer, but teams did talk to you about trading for James Van Riemsdyk. Let's not make pretend that that did not happen. And they let you know what they were willing to pay. We saw it because Winnipeg got out and went and gave a fourth round pick for Vladimir Nemesnikov. We saw it. Okay, people are talking to us. We understand how this happens and what just took place. Okay, so to sit there and say that, that's more, you talk about gaslight, 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 there it is again, just did it again, just lied to the fans again. Good job, Chuck. Applause, applause, applause. It's ridiculous at this point. It's ridiculous that you keep going back to this. It's, yeah. uh, it's unbelievable. I've never, look, people know, okay, I've said it many times on social media, I've said it on this podcast many times when we talk about, you know, what the media's role is and our job and covering the team. And, you know, we need to remain objective. And I do my damnedest every day when I'm covering a team, whether it's the, the Flyers or the Phillies, to stay, to still be that person. I can still have an opinion, right? But at the same time, I try to keep everything within objectivity. Even earlier in this podcast, I'm trying to explain why Russ's vitriol is, is slightly misguided, was at that point slightly misguided. Um, but it gets to a point where when I'm doing my job and you're purposely lying, you're trying to use me to lie to the people out there who are counting on me to provide them with information, that, that gets too much. Every once in a while, I get it. I understand that's kind of the business and how it works. But when it's repeated time after time after time after time, and you do it now, you're doing it again, just after on Tuesday, you said it, you, you lied on Tuesday, and now you and now it's proved that you lied even further on Tuesday because you said you were you know, you were selling, we're selling, we're gonna get better, we're building this the right way, all that stuff. And now you're gonna sit there and say, Oh, we got no firm offers. BS, man. Just BS. But but just is this in, away. is this the only guy they tried to trade, Anthony? Like, I mean, is was there other like I'd like to I want to hear about so, this because did they dangle a Provorov? Did yeah. they dangle a, a guy up front, like on a top two line guy? I don't know. I'd like to find out more. So I think, and, and I think what I've, again, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, right? And and so I do believe that over the course of the past couple of weeks, that there were certainly conversations uh, that kind of tied into the Ivan Provorov or, or maybe other players as well. Yeah, other guys. That's right. Yeah, anyone yeah, it, at that it, age group, right? Yeah, it, it happens, right? It certainly happens. Um, but I don't think that that was ever, you know, if you have a hard time, you know, moving salary with a guy who makes $7 million, you're going to have just as hard a time with a guy that's making 6.2, right? I mean, so so there's going to have to be a lot more involved to move Provorov. And so the idea is, is you you really want to just kind of set the market at this point for the guy and see where teams are. 
And then you and then you revisit that in the offseason when you're allowed to exceed the salary cap by 10%. And when 32 teams might be interested as opposed or 31 teams might be interested as opposed to just two or three, right? So so yeah, I think at that, I think that those conversations certainly happened. I'm sure that they did, but I don't think that they were actively looking to move players with with significant term here at this point unless they knew that like, okay, we're willing to eat this much of the money and we know that we can move it. Like, like, like I said, Kevin Hayes, same thing, right? I mean, I, I think those conversations certainly happened for sure, for sure. But I don't think that there was ever any real possibility uh, of either one um, being moved today. I think yeah. that that was more just laying groundwork I, for down the road. I'm going to tell you what I expected from, from just from what I heard from Chuck and Torts in the last week. Yeah. I, I and I said it 40 minutes before. I wasn't as in tune to you, Anthony, because I know you're you're you get right in there. I was expecting when they said what we've been saying forever that they would have dumped five guys today. <laughs> that's that's make that's making a commitment to people saying we're we're doing what we got to do. We're we're tearing it down and we're going to build it up. And I'm telling you right now, people will still be pissed, but they can live with that. They can live with that honesty. Don't tell people you're rebuilding and then. Trade away, actually trade away two guys that will still play in the league with Patrick right. Brown on a fourth or uh, line or, you know, black ace in the playoff. Uh, same with Zach McEwen. You know, if Ottawa even makes it. I don't know if I don't think Ottawa's <laughs> going to make it. They're playing well. Um, well I, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at you, Bundy. I'm, I, I, I don't want to interrupt, but, I, but at the same time, if the Flyers are all over the place with this, they now have changed their mind again, and they will stream this. <laughs> It's because they're listening. Hey, hey. Because Russ said something. I get tell, tell, right, Russ? It's got to be. Listen, <laughs> this is because we know who's watching from the Flyers organization. How you doing? Um, you can tell Dave right now that the only way to make this right is for Dave to crawl out of his hole and say, we're not happy. We know the fans aren't happy. This is unacceptable, and we will be making a change. That's how you do it. We don't even need to hear from Chuck. I don't need to hear from Chuck. I don't need to hear from somebody who's going to talk out of both sides of his mouth. I don't need to hear from somebody who's going to gaslight the fans again. I don't need to hear from somebody who's going to tell straight up lies. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear from him. Well, I'll, we I'll say I'll tell you what though, Russ. If, in, if if they don't change their mind again and they continue to do stream it on Twitter, it'll be a lot easier for you to stream that through here. I've so got both. Have... I've got I've got multiple ways to to get this uh, this stream up on the screen. Um, okay. Right now, I see the back of that looks like Carchidi's head. I think I see yeah. Jamie Baskow's head. Um, yeah. Guys, look, Charlie. I, so um, I, I, I genuinely, at this point, I feel so bad for Flyers fans. I do. And, and I think I, I told you a couple of days ago, I feel far enough removed now from caring about going down to cover the team that I, I just kind of feel like it might be time to go back to kind of embracing the voice of the fans. And at this point, I, I can only speak for myself and the many people who are in the comments right now. But um. This this doesn't work. This this isn't gonna fly. And oh, Chuck's hold on. I'm sorry, Chuck just showed up. up on the NBC Sports feed. I'm waiting to see if the Flyers put out. Yes, they did. Hold on. I'm gonna let me get this shared over here. Give me one second. We are going to attempt to dual stream the uh, Chuck uh, Fletcher press conference. Give me one second here. Let me see if I can pull this up. Hold on. There we go. He said the other deal fell through. I'll try to keep people as posted to this as I can. 25 minutes before the deadline, apparently. Here we go.
Do you want me to just play the audio here? No, I got. Was it playing for you guys or no? I didn't no. hear it that well. I don't hear it that well. And uh, okay. you know, the one offer that I did get on JVR happened at 140 this afternoon. It was a uh, conditional offer. And, you know, I didn't know what the market would be, but I thought there would at least be uh, some offers that we would have to consider or not consider. So here, I'm, I'm playing the audio while you figure that out. It is what it is. Um, well, here, turn off your audio for a second. I would probably rather have a good pick. Turn off your audio for a second. Is that coming through or no? No. All right, give me one sec. And, and he's, a, he's a true professional. Um, he's a good hockey player for us, and he'll be a good mentor down the stretch. But Did you have other teams that you went, you went back to when you found out? Well, I've been speaking to teams for three weeks. I've spoken yeah, to I've every team. Every team, by, every team by then had already told me, you know, no, uh, several times. So, uh, yeah, there was no, that deal didn't hold up anything at all. I, I, I never had an offer until that conditional offer at 140, which I found out at 230 wasn't going to happen. And, and um, so I spoke, they acquired somebody else, just to clarify, they acquired somebody else. No, they didn't acquire somebody else. They, they were going to move a forward. The other team, I don't know the details of what they were doing. Uh, it wasn't really my business, but if they were able to consummate the other trade, then they were going to come back. But we had the framework of the deal done in case uh, they were able to make that trade and, and they weren't able to make it. There was a report from L.A. Freeman who said that it was pending a physical, so that, that wasn't true. No, no, nothing. You, routinely when you acquire players, teams ask uh, you know about the medicals and and they did ask and his medicals are fine you guys in covering Javier is no medical issues but it had nothing to do with us it, it uh, again we agreed to the conditional part of the deal and I'm, but I understood the conditions so there's there's nothing uh, untoward here like we we understood that if the deal happened we had a deal if it didn't happen we didn't have a deal it was it was all up front and um but at that point, again, it, uh, you know, we were where we were. Chuck, you said there were no firm offers on JVR, but obviously deals have been going on for the, the past week or so. Do you think that maybe your ask was too high in the early going and then there was no one left that had interest because they already had their pieces? By no, day? no. I don't think that at all. You know, typically you make a, an offer and another team count. If, it, if it's interest, they typically counter, if it, or they accept your offer, or they counter your offer. There you go. Now we got it, Russ. Or they accept your offer, or they counter your offer. And these are draft picks we're talking about. It's not not overly complicated. So, you know, but uh, you know, if you, there's no smoking gun here. I guess is all I could say, but. You know, we, we certainly made everybody aware he was available. Uh, we made everybody aware we would re, we we would retain 50%. We made everybody aware that we could even take back a contract if that helped a little bit more. On take the back a contract. <laughs> and um, we talked about a different range and different ways of getting there, prospects, or a pick, uh, multiple picks, whatever it would be, additional pick. But, you know, we talked about all kinds of different scenarios. But ultimately, again, you, you know, I can only control my half and, and uh, there has to be a willing buyer. And until 140 today, we never, you know, we never had uh, any type of offer. And the offer we got was conditional. And we're, we're talking about a guy who has nearly four controls in the NHL. There were many other players that were dealt at the deadline that don't have the same 
competitors that he has. I guess, how do you explain the lack of interest? That was my, I've been using that line for three days. That's exactly <laughs> what I've been, I've been saying to teams. Like he, this guy's a good player. He can help you. Get him, give him oh. to you at 3.5 million and it's, it's got a fair deal. So I, I can't answer that, Charlie. I mean, obviously if I, I can't speak for the other teams. I'm disappointed to argue that you put them to a yeah, you, that, that certainly was a hope and to give JVR an opportunity to play in the playoffs. He's a he's a pending UFA. He's been a good pro for us. And I think it would have been a win-win for both sides. But I, again, I, yeah, I, much, I would have much rather had a pick than, than not, uh, but we never had that opportunity. So I, it, it is what it is. I mean, there's only so much you can do. And I spoke to every team in the league and uh, really there's about 16 teams that were true buyers and spoke to them multiple times. Uh, there was a couple of times I thought there might be a possibility and then things would veer off. So, uh, you know, there's not much more I can say. I can't, you know, I, we were willing and we were accommodating and we were open to ideas and, and, uh, but you need somebody to be a willing buyer. Just in your conversations with those potential buyers, what was the biggest sticking I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously a $7 million cap hit, you retain 50, it's still 3.5. I mean, you can see some of the, the team's cap situations. I assume that was part of it. Um, you know, there's been some pretty good players moved, you know, probably there's some teams that had preferences, of, you know, uh, players they preferred above JVR, but I can't speak to that. Well, I mean, again, that, that would be up to the buying team to do that. But say, for example, you're a team and you value JVR as a fourth round pick, you think he's worth a fourth round pick, then you're going to give up another third or fourth round pick to have a team retain another 50%. You now doubled your your acquisition costs. And and so I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to be really clear here. I, I didn't get a firm offer of even a fourth round pick for JVR. So you know, just logically, I can't speak for those teams, but obviously that's more than they wanted to pay. And how much was that pick for a, a similar player? It was a fourth round pick in 25. Pick. Yeah. And that was, that was the team that was interested in him. You guys are going to beat this one up. Yeah. Holy gosh. Yeah. I, yeah I no shit. They're going to beat it up. Absolutely. I would take a player in an expiring deal. I would take a one-way contract in the minors. I could help on the cash. Um, I was not interested in taking a player with term unless that player could be, could help us going forward. So, but we tried to be as accommodating as possible, but again, we, we never had an offer. There was never anything that broke down. There was never anybody that said, you know, I'm only going to give you a third or a fourth or a six, uh, you, you know, and take it or leave it. I, I never even got that. So um, it just, I, I don't know what to say. I, yesterday, for example, like I received two calls, uh, one on JVR, one on another player, and I made 17. And I just counted my log. So, I, you know, we, we actively did our best to, to get an asset and to give JVR the opportunity to play in the playoffs, and it, it didn't happen. Do you think your, your explanation of this will like, calm down your fan base and sort of like give them a sense of where, where you are throughout the process here? I, I, again, when you, when you're selling at the trade deadline, it, it's not really a hockey trade. You're selling, you're trying to trade a player and get a draft pick. And, 
And in order for that to happen, you need a team that's willing to give you a draft pick back. And and that's, I can't control that end of it. I can only control uh, making sure I talk to everybody, make sure I let everybody know uh, we're willing to retain half, make sure everybody knows that we can take a contract back, uh, let people know we're flexible in terms of the, you know, what type of, you know, we're not necessarily led to a pick. It could be a prospect, it, you know, there's different ways to do it. And from my experience and, and every, other deal I've done, you you know, typically you come in and say the player we're looking for X and the other team says, well, might be a little rich. I'll give you a Y and then you haggle. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, I guess what surprised me was I wasn't even able to get a team to say, I'll, I'll give you this. Talking about retaining salary, um, do you think if James was making less than $7 million, he, he would have more suitors? It seems like money was the biggest here. That, that's my assumption but uh you know probably in the next week or so we have gm meetings next week and i can ask a couple teams you know what what they felt and um you know and, and what happened but uh you know again it, other teams are some good players moved and um you know a couple teams came online uh, a little bit later in in, in the process and, and had some pretty good players that ended up getting moved so you know i'm not sure the exact reason but but uh certainly Again, the cap hit at seven million is high in this environment, which again is why we were willing to, to work with teams. But you know, I'm, it would have been funnier if he said in this economy. Teams. Okay. <laughs> I haven't spoken to him yet. I spoke to his agent. Um, I thought I would let you guys uh, have me first, and then I'll I'll speak with him soon. The other day, you mentioned that you wanted to sell team and get younger. Um, for some older guys to be on JVR, I guess, did you get offers then? Why did you decide not to like not to do some of your older players like seven overall? Well, you need to get value. You know, I had had a lot of conversations. You, you know, um, I essentially told calls. Teams, Don't forget, he logged you know, them. Look, we have our our three pending UFAs, and and uh, and we'll listen on anybody. You know, essentially, and um, had conversations with teams and. You know, I think there um, there's some good conversations. I think that could be picked up in the summer in certain situations. And uh, but you know, the goal is certainly to get younger, as I mentioned, but but also to to make sure the you know you're, you're getting fair value for the for the players you have. And and uh, you know, there were a lot of names in the market. There were a, a lot of sellers. But you know, from our standpoint, there's a couple situations we looked at and. Things just didn't make sense at this point in time. It's not to say they won't in the summer. There's some things again we can pick up, but you know we were able to, to pick up a couple draft picks today. Um, oh. you know, would have liked to have picked up a third one. Uh, Thing of beauty just gone through, but uh, you know that's that's uh, what we we're able to accomplish. Chuck, I guess you know you, to kind of the follow up on Gianni's question about getting younger. The way today played out with you know. Not being able to find something for JVR. Justin Braun's still here, so not all of the. Oh my God, that's right. Justin Braun's still here. You know, how can people have faith that you can actually get this team younger? Because part of getting it younger is going to be. The I thought he would have gotten dropped again for a second year. Yeah, exactly. And, and and we're going to certainly look at that this summer. And you know, again, you have to get value. When Charlie O'Connor just out. asked as, a very good question there a few days ago about why the goal isn't why just people to, should believe to cut the team or he's going to be able to do this if he couldn't do it. To make trades that make you're going to have to make these moves. Make sure you get value. Make sure you get market market value for those players with exist, existing contracts 
know, today is not the only opportunity to move those players. You're going to have an opportunity in the summer. You have an opportunity next year. Is Chuck going to have going to be opportunities to to make good deals for some of those players? But it didn't happen this time. In terms of players on expiring contracts, again, you we moved um, two players today and and two others we didn't. And you know, it wasn't for lack of effort. Again, you need to for for uh, the rental type of market, you need a team to want to you know acquire a player, and make an offer. I guess there's an element here though where you know, yes, these moves could be made in the summer, it could be made next year, whatnot, but the team has struggled for, for years and obviously you're trying to stay in your position, I guess, you know, is there a concern that this shows that you aren't able to do the rebuild you guys want to do in terms of how ownership looks at it? Yeah. Look, Charlie, I said, you know, I said last time our goal is to get younger. We do want to add more young assets. We are a younger team this year. We do have some pieces in Lehigh Valley and elsewhere that we think could be part of the solution going forward. Uh, we do have some veteran players on our team or veteran players, some players, mid-range age guys that we think can, can be a part of this too as we go forward. And we're going to just continue to look at every opportunity to get better. And, and the trade deadline was one opportunity. Uh, there was not fair deals, in my opinion, to be made. There are some things that potentially could happen in the summer. And as we go forward, we'll just continue to look at those opportunities. But we will get younger. We're going to continue to add more young assets. And we're going to continue to build this build this up. Chuck, uh, two more. Is your uh, even two more? The need for high end talent. That's 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 uh, the PR. Just so you guys know, that's the PR interrupting uh, because the questions now are starting to get a little tough for Chuck. So they they limit the amount of questions that are going to come after that. Kind of Neil spoke with him last week. He said he was going to sit down with his friends. I mean, well, excuse me, his family and the Flyers in an interview today. Uh, have the Flyers reached out in any way? Does the lack of success this particular trade deadline now force the hand to sign Cutter to at least give the fan base, hey, this is something to be proud of, I would say? Yeah, I, I don't think you want to even go back to Charlie's last question. I don't think we want to just make moves for the sake of making moves. Like with with Cutter, you know, we have to sit down with Cutter and really have a good conversation with Cutter, with the coaches at BC, with their own development people. And, you know, out of respect to the fact that they're starting playoffs next week, it, it's not a conversation you have during the year. We, we speak with Cutter all the time. I've been up there a few times. Other staff members have been up there. We, we've met with the coaches. I speak with this advisor. And, you know, ultimately the decision we make has to be about what's right for, for Cutter and his development. He's, he's too important. Uh, to make a decision not based on what's right for him. And, uh, but, you know, I think there's conversations that have to be had. And, and at the end of the season, we'll, we'll certainly sit down and do that. Brendan Sam, what are you doing? Who cares yeah, about when I, when Brandon spoke Lemieux? With Blake, what um, are you doing? Spoke, you know, spoke about Zach. They had interest. Oh my you know, we, we talked about a fifth round pick and, and, you know, we thought that was fair. But he said to me, you know, I need a little bit of time. I I need to move Brendan Lemieux in order to to bring in Zach McHugh. And I said, well, I'll just take him, you know, with the fifth. But I'll I'll take Brendan as well. And and uh, you know, so he, very he agreed to that. So nice Brendan's job. a pending UFA, and and we can give him a, a twenty game uh, trial here to see what he can do. But but the deal was for the fifth. And then again, Rob had indicated that for whatever his reasons were, that if he could move Brendan, he would do the deal. So I. Thought I'd just make it easier. Uh, Patrick Brown and 
you know, a lot of times on deadline day, guys are doing face-offs and shit like They tend to be in demand on, on the deadline day. They tend to be late processing their deals. How does that, how does that look for you? Well, I, I, again, I've been speaking to teams for for a while on on all of our players on expiring contracts, and you know, I talked to a few teams and just you know gave them some of my thoughts. I thought Patrick, you know, actually played really well for Vegas in the playoffs a couple of years ago, and his faceoffs on the right side are excellent, and he can kill, and he's willing to block shots, and he can really bring an element that teams might need. And um, you know, a few teams called back, and, and Ottawa was was willing to give a pick. Another team was willing uh, to offer a minor league player back, but but uh, I would have just kept Patrick in that case. But the pick was, you know, was uh, <laughs> worthwhile, and, and it gives Patrick a chance to to push for a playoff spot as as well. But but Charlie, I'll just go back to your your last question. Oh boy, I if I answered it as accurately, like like look, I understand our fans are really disappointed. You know, the last two three years, there's no question we've been trying to to be a competitive team. Uh, we've been trying to, to be a team in particular two years ago, going back to the summer 21, trying to be a team to maximize the last year of Sheru on his contract, um, you know, to be a team that could compete and make a playoff spot. And, and, and clearly, you know, I haven't done that. I haven't done that job. Uh, there's no doubt we've had last year, we had a couple devastating injuries. Absolutely. With we Couturier and Ellis and, and even Hazy this year with Couturier and Atkinson has been very difficult that's not the only reason we need more talent that's on me. So I, I get it. And, and uh, but you know, this is, you know, last summer, I think we were a little tepid. We didn't uh, want to do the overly aggressive, I guess, in pursuit of talent because we did have some concerns about Katuri in particular, and then Faraby had been hurt and we didn't know what we exactly were going to have going into the year. So we put some kids on the team. We gave them that opportunity and as we go forward, we recognize we have to get more talent and we are going to build it. And, you know, in, in terms of, I'm, I'm not worried about my job. Whatever happens with me will happen with me. That's up to Dave Scott. But everything I do is about doing what's right for the Philadelphia Flyers and, and not taking shortcuts. And, and that's in part why we didn't make any more deals today. The deals that were presented to me were not good deals for the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, last summer being more aggressive was not going to be good for the Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe in the short run, it, it makes me look better. Or, but we don't want band-aids anymore. We want to build this the right way, and and we're committed to doing it. And that's those are my words. My actions will have to back it up. But but we're committed to doing it. Thanks, Thanks. Yeah, thank you. All right, there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That of course was your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers president of hockey ops, Chuck Fletcher. Um, I have listen. I'm going to say one thing, Ant. I'm going to say one thing that I, I, I said I would, I would admit if the day ever came. We did just hear Chuck Fletcher accept some responsibility. I, mm -hmm. I wonder, wonder why that happened. Um, accept I, I, a, a little bit of responsibility. I there. was stunned, Russ, that he said it. We finally got some honesty. And it's funny because here's the thing. And, and I'm, going to, I'm still going to criticize him. Um, and I, and, and I feel bad because I, this is what we've been asking for. And he finally says it and I'm still going to criticize, but here's how, why I'm going to criticize him. Charlie asked that those questions. He poked and prodded Charlie O'Connor. Great stuff, man. Really, really good questions there. Okay. Yep. And Chuck lied to him. The first two answers. Yep. The first two. And then comes back at the very end and realizes I probably shouldn't have said those things. 
I probably should just tell the <laughs> truth. And then does give the apology that you know, takes responsibility at the end. And yet it goes a little bit, it gets a little bit accountable. And that's great. We needed to hear that. But he tried to get by with lying first. He tried to get by with making pretend that he didn't have to take accountability. But it wasn't, it wasn't until he was poked and prodded hard by Charlie that he that he decided I'm gonna come back and 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 say something right here at the end to hopefully make it look a little bit better. Well, it's like getting a call for a trade. You got to go back to that same trade and follow up again with it. Yeah. <laughs> we got a sample size right there of how a trade actually goes down with the yeah. communication with Charlie. You know what, guys? I, I, I'm actually – I've had enough, to be honest with you, with the whole smoke screen too. You know, when I actually – when I said this Flyers team was not a playoff team beginning of the year and last year, it was with everybody healthy as well. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, you know, let's not forget that. You know, I've never said one single time. So you're going to expect the guy now to come back that's just missed two years. Um, you've got, I mean, Ellis is done. I'm, I'm certain of that. Um, and then the other, the other injury, um, Atkinson. 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 I mean, you got another guy that missed a year at that age. You know, I mean, ask anybody that came back from that lockout in 04 what we look like the next year. Uh, it's a mess. Yeah. Uh, some worse than others, Ant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any, anyhow, um, you know what? Um, it, it just I, I don't I don't want there's some salvageable guys. Like let's listen, maybe I may be dead wrong. Maybe Coots comes back and he's regenerated and he feels good. I don't know if that's the case. I hope so. I love mm -hmm. Sean Couture. He's a good person, he's a darn good hockey player, but he's also played a lot of hockey here, you know, and he's got a bad back. So I just don't want to be able to use the excuse of what's not on the ice is a reason why we're not where we're supposed to be. Because I consider myself a pretty good judge of what I see when I look at a hockey team and the components involved, what's necessary, where it is. And for me, guys, this started in 2020. After that last Islander game, I said, okay, like we, mm -hmm. we, we won around, but we still got to, we got to do a lot more. I mean, we got to do a lot more moving forward, and it has been done. So I don't want to use the the injured players as an excuse because to me it's not. This is this is the same team. Maybe it's two, three, four points better because injuries will factor in through the year, even with those guys. You'll still you'll have it, but um, it, this is why I said we need a rebuild. It's a rebuild. You know, you when you're able to make one good trade, like get something where you get players that you can look at and say, hey, we've added to our mix. And then you got to take the next three or four years with draft picks, getting good draft picks, making smart decisions with the money you spend. Um, you know, that's why when a team gets to the top, like a Tampa Bay or even a Colorado, why they have to sell guys after that, because they've reached the climax of where their careers are with that team. And that's why they go to another team. But the reason why those players are so valuable at the end is they've won a Stanley Cup. They prove they're part of a winning organization. And then, but you've got to do it at the ground floor where those salaries all come up together. And that's how you have a winning team. That's how it all works in this league. It's mostly done through the draft. It's done with good, thoughtful free agency and good leadership and coaching from your players. And that right now, I don't know where they're at with it, but I am not, I'm not going to let anybody tell me that a healthy lineup is a different team for this Flyers this year. I'm not going to let anyone do that. And I'll debate anybody they want. Anybody that wants to debate me on it, let me know. I don't think anybody will because I think a lot of them know the same thing. I want yeah. Sean Couturier back. I'd like to see him healthy. But that's a yeah. major, major obstacle right now. And a lot of the things we're looking at, guys, that we're staring at are bad free agent signings um, that are not able to get into your lineup because of injury or whatever other unforeseen things that you – that you when you acquired the player, 
you weren't maybe privy to that knowledge. That's unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, the one other thing I just wanted to, and I think we're, we're nearing the end here because we can only go so long on, on this, on this topic. Um, and, and we're, and we're also going to have to, um, have stuff to talk about for, for the next couple of months <laughs> between now and the off season, right? I mean, we're gonna have to find things to discuss about this team. Um, but the one other thing that he said there at the end that again, and it just, it just irks me because it just, it just goes to show where, where he was purposely lying to us coming in is he said, we were tepid last summer because we knew we were a little we had concerns about Couturier. We had concerns about Farabee, right? We had concerns about these. So how can you sit there and, and and admit that today? Which is good. He admitted it, told the truth. Great. But that for everywhere, every point since last summer that he's spoken, up until that was a complete opposite answer. It was something completely different. Like he finally told us that they looked that they believed last summer that they might not be where they need to be this year. And yet, that's not what he said publicly in every chance he had since last summer until today. And so I look at it and say, you know, you've done enough. You've done enough damage. I, 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 just, I, just, can't, I just can't take being lied to so frequently when you know that you're being lied to. Like it's one thing to be lied to and be oblivious to it, and then when you find out, you're like pissed off in the moment. But holy hell, he lied to you that whole time. We've just known all along, every step of the way. Well, that's not true. Well, that's not true. Well, that's not true. And he's maintained it until today. And now you've all heard it. It's all out there publicly. And I would just say, take you know, if you don't believe us saying it in the moment right here, just go back. Just go back oh. yourself. Do this. Do go back and find it, and you'll say, "Oh yeah, oh he's right. Oh they're right. Oh they're right. Absolutely." And so that's why I, I'm at, I'm at the end of my rope with him as a general manager, and I, I know the fans are. I know Russ is. I think Bundy is too. I think we're all there. And and until there's change, I there's zero confidence, zero confidence moving forward. Hey, Ann, tell me if this sounds familiar. Okay, we just we we heard at the very end there, Chuck kind of circled back and, and took some accountability. I just tell me if this sounds familiar, okay? What Fletcher had to do yesterday after months of silence is come out and say, look, we went into last offseason with a plan. We attended on aggressively retooling, as I told you. I think he he said it to Charlie, right? There's the there's the clip that always goes around of we're 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 retooling Charlie. You come out and you say, we intended on aggressively retooling in the offseason. We had that. some contracts we couldn't move. We had a couple of trades that we thought were going to go through that, that didn't. Our plan had to change as injuries accrued, as Sean Couturier's injury was uh -huh. aggravated, as we learned Ryan Ellis would not play, as we learned Cam Atkinson was uh -huh. going to be out for longer, as we knew that Joel Farabee was going to have to be out for oh, a bit. Oh, you mentioned Farabee too. A little bit early. We had to pivot. And I, I probably in December... I was optimistic because we saw five points. We saw the way that the team was playing under torts. We did believe that there was a chance that this team was going to be able to, to, to fight for a playoff spot. We, we did believe that. But we have to pivot now because it is clear that we're not what we thought we might have been in December. And our plans have changed. You know what that does? 
that accepts I'm just, accountability. Oh, the thing is go the way that. Hey, yeah. hey, Ant, did did that sound a little bit familiar there? I mean, yeah. I'm just. That's exactly what he. That's exactly what he did. He finally did what he should have done on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Yes, but it took a while. It it, it took it a sure while to did. get there. It sure did. Uh, look, I, I, at this point, as much as I would love to keep railing on what what happened here. I think Bundy would, would, I don't know. I don't want to say Bundy's ready to jump out the window after this, but like we've no, been going would, for, for no, an hour and a half. That. I don't do that. I just get, I just get ticked off. I think the Rangers, the Rangers thing the other night bothered me beyond what I've ever been bothered by. I've never thought I've like, seen I, I just, I, I, guys, it made me almost like want to vomit. I was so pissed off. Like, I, I mean, that was just pathetic. And I know, and I felt bad for the fans because I know that that's not the image that we give in this city. Like we're we're this is a tough sports town. It's a proud sports town. Um, I love I love going down there and seeing Flyers fans. That just there's something that just uh, just really just like someone took a poker and stuck it in the side of my ribs and just grinded it. That was just you know to me that it's almost like all of this kind of put it right in a V, and that's what the end result was was a stinky ass Ranger crowd. With 70% of them, it took over the Wells Fargo Center on a Wednesday game with 20 to go in the season. I mean, mm -hmm. really upset. So, really upsetting to see So, that. like, the one thing I want to just add to that, what you just said, Bundy, is Philadelphia, we, we get excited. We, we're proud of the fact that when we go to another team's arena, that we take it over, right, or another team's field. Like, we get, yeah, <laughs> oh, how well do they? How we do. Because yeah, the do. Philly fans travel really, really well, right? Yes, we do. Yeah. And, and, but at no time, at no time have we ever gone to another team stadium and, and taken it over in what I would consider a major sports city, especially, you know, Boston, New York, um, Chicago, you know, uh, you know, those big cities where, where sports matters just a little bit more than, than, you know, in other places. Um, Maybe the Bay Area uh, it, it, it is probably the closest out west that, that gets out. Detroit, when they're good, you know, Detroit's a good sports town. We've never taken it over in those places. And the reason is, is because you expect those places are always going to be good with their fans, no matter what their team is, because they are passionate about their sports. Well, Philadelphia is one of those cities. And for it to happen here, that's why you're so pissed off about it. Because it should never happen in Philadelphia. Yeah. Under any circumstance whatsoever. Yes, of course, we know teams are going to have more fans come down because tickets are more readily available. I get it, right? You're going to have some fans that are going to come in, the Mets fans who come into the Phillies games, Yankees fans when they it's, come it's down. It's easier for them to get here. It's easier to get here, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. For sure. But it's never been – there's never been a Phillies game where it's 70% Mets fans or 70% Yankees fans. Right, you've never had that many that level uh, that level of opposition fandom in your building, and I didn't think it would ever happen in this city in any under any circumstance, and it happened, and that's that's the bottom, that's the low it gets because that shows you that the fans don't care. Yeah, right now they don't care. They care, but they don't care. They're so mad at the organization that they don't care how it looks. You they know, want to embarrass them. We've had multiple questions here. So apparently, I think we might have put this out a, a few weeks ago. This is when we were like, oh, my God, they really are going to keep Chuck. There's a town hall um, with season tomorrow. ticket holders tomorrow. Yeah. 
So tomorrow. on Saturday, there's a, a seat. And, and we've gotten a few questions here about like, what can fans do? What can fans do to voice their displeasure for what's going on? And I can give you a few ideas. If you're going to be at that town hall, don't let Chuck evade questions. If you don't like the answer, boo the answer. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what you can do as a fan. And, 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 you know, there's this, there's this weird thing that happens, right? Where there are the season ticket holders. And then there are people who like, who think that season ticket holders are enablers and all that. Like there are a lot of reasons that people keep season tickets. All right. It's not because everybody just wants to try to make a profit on their, on their seats. There are some people who have had these tickets in their family for decades. There are people who genuinely love the sport of hockey or genuinely want to go out and support the players on the team, even if they don't agree with what the front office is doing. The, the season ticket holders are effectively the lifeblood of the organization, right? Because without that steady stream, things are, are very chaotic and things can kind of happen like what happened with that Rangers game. So the season ticket holders also have some equity in this whole thing. No, they don't own a percentage of the team, but these, these fans have the ability to make their voices heard and ownership to some extent has to pay attention because these are the people who are shelling out Boku bucks to be season ticket holders. And if enough of them were to walk away, it would send the organization into some sort of chaos because if you get these legacy uh, season ticket holders walking away, as, as I noted earlier in the show and earlier this week has been happening, um, that is really the only way to kind of shake the tree. And so if you are a season ticket holder and you are going to the town hall on Saturday, I would highly encourage you to be vocal in your displeasure and for you to not accept nonsense answers. I mean, we've we've outlined, I think, as best as we can what did and did not happen today. Anthony broke down the conversations that he had with people from other teams. And Chuck was not fully forthright and truthful with what he said. And if you are a season ticket holder and you're going to be going and you missed part of the show or, or you came in late, this stream will be available over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. The podcast is wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Pandora, the works, right? You can send this. I'll, I'll make sure that I get this up before, you know, late Friday night. You can send this to other season ticket holders. Let them listen to the anger. Let them listen to some of the comments that we read off here. If you do go back and watch it on YouTube, you'll see the, the comments that we put up on the screen. There are a lot of very upset fans. The only thing that you can do is either be vocal when you have the opportunity to do so, or uh, you can opt out. Now, the opt-out deadline, unfortunately, for many season ticket holders has passed. But uh, since that is probably not an option now, being vocal at the town hall and not accepting nonsense answers, not accepting falsehoods, is the best thing that you can do. I will say, as Anthony did, Charlie O'Connor did a great job at that press conference, pushed and pushed and pushed and went for answers to questions that people have wanted to hear. Pushed Chuck on, if you haven't been able to do this so far, why should people believe you have the ability to rebuild this thing? Now the fans have to take that mantle. If you're going to be going to a game, you can start a fire Fletcher chant. Nothing's stopping you. You can put a, a paper bag on your head if you so choose. Please make sure that you ventilate it appropriately. All right, we don't need anybody passing out at a game. But there are things that you can do. There are silent ways to protest. We are I, adults I, in a room too, Russ. I mean, let's hear it out. If you don't like it, listen in. And then maybe you could take it to them. But you can't go in with venom at the beginning if it's a season ticket holder event. I mean, you, they're going. there's going to be venom anyway. All you got to do is read the side comments here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, if, if, if the guy's going in and you want to go there just to attack somebody, that's probably not the right attitude to go in with. 
you, you know, I mean, the one thing I do know, even with the anger, people do care about the franchise. Like, I mean, there's a history to this team that's second to none. And that's why everybody's so mad right now. Mm-hmm. That's why people are ticked off because we've never seen this before. Yep. We've never seen it since 1967. And that's what this legacy and lineage of this franchise has carried. So that's why there's a frustration. The Flyers guys, and I've heard it, I've seen it over the years, they're just a different niche than anyone else in the city. And I think that the, the fans that care so deeply about it are going to voice their frustrations more than they ever have before because we're just not adept to going through things like this. We were, it happened, but there was a quick turnover. You know, and I think where the fans are, you know, reading this stuff and hearing what I'm hearing, it feels like the, the apathy is set in, but it also feels like they're in quicksand and they're not sure how to get out of it. And I think that's the bigger problem. If there was a formulated plan where we said, here's what we want to do. Here's what we're going to try to execute. I think there'd be more of an understanding. But if even me, I'm sitting here like, okay, well, you know, we traded McEwen, good guy, Patrick Brown. Uh, okay, we got a guy back. I just don't know what any of that does. Is How is it calculated? I mean, we're bringing in a guy on a 20-game tryout that we traded a popular locker room guy for. You know, and McEwen, that's not wasn't hurting your team. I mean, he is what he is, right? He's not going to yeah. get you any, any more goals or points uh, or, or change who he is as a player at his age. Um but that this is just this is what I think the flyer what I'm seeing from the flyers right now is the same repetitiveness with no plan and stuck in quicksand because they don't know where they're going. And I think that's kind of what I'm feeling. And I have a feeling um, that that's the same with what a lot of people out there are going through as well. That's a good way to wrap it up, Bundy. I think it is. Uh, I think it's worth taking the time here to thank everybody who checked in during the live stream. We, we went over 400 there a, a few times, guys, which is pretty cool. Um, nice to, to see people checking in. Yeah. Obviously, we would remind people that you can watch this show. You can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if for some reason, this is your first time checking out Snow the Goalie. Thank you so much for, for checking in on YouTube and, and Twitter and Facebook. You know, just make sure uh, you, know, you can go to whatever podcast app you have, find Snow the Goalie, subscribe. Um, again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora. You can follow us on Twitter at Ant San Philly, at Joy on Broad, at Cetarian6, at Snow the Goalie. Of course, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. Um, Big thank you to everybody yeah. who checked it out. What's yeah, up? Thanks, man? everybody. Yeah, yeah thanks, everybody. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, the one thing I just wanted to throw throw to Bundy, I don't know if he uh, had a chance to listen to the entire episode we recorded on Wednesday, but we did a five-star review at the end. And one mm. of the five-star reviews that we got at the end uh, was from a guy um, named Bernie Olia. He said he met you at the game against Montreal on Friday night and promised you he'd leave a review. Um, he said, since he's a man of his word, five stars to the guys. And he called you a man of the people. Oh, so. good. Good. Yeah. There's, there was good. I went over there and I, and I do, I'll just finish. I love going down in the games. I get to meet people. I go into the suites some nights. That's why I said, it's been a good experience down there. You know, like I put aside what's there. If you're looking to get out for a night, it's, it's been a lot of fun at the games yeah. I've been to. My kids have enjoyed it. You know, people I brought down. So there's, there's that. Um, but I do get the frustration. I big, I'm, I'm there with you. And, yeah. uh, and I do, and I, and I see a lot of the happy smiley faces down there. I know it's a day like that today. There was a lot of anger, but man, I love to go down and see the Flyers fans from new ones, older ones. It's been really, really, a, it's been fun. The nights I've gone down this year. Awesome. So thank you for that five-star. And I, hopefully yeah, this, this, we get a good one today. A lot of good info, a lot of great questions and comments. I've read them all. Uh, some of them actually made me laugh my ass off out loud. 
I won't get into that, but uh, you know what it is, boys. And um, uh, yeah, we'll we'll thank I'll thank you for that. Uh, and, and that just tells me that I've been in Philly way too long. If I understood one of those cards, that's why I was a little surprised that you even knew that one, Bobby. I, I, I knew like, it, which is funny. <laughs> enough, so. so that's great. That's great. Good well. Night. Listen, uh, a huge thank you to all the listeners, all the people who watched, and uh, we will be back next week with a new episode. Don't forget, we did record on Wednesday. Um, I think a lot of it's still held up, Ant. I think if yeah. people are still like looking to yeah. to get a full breakdown I would, of- I would listen of, to both. I would I would dive into both episodes. They're both- For both. sure. And right. um, Godspeed, everyone. Uh, listen, <laughs> we, will continue, we will continue to hold uh, the hockey upside accountable for what they do and apparently don't do. And don't forget- you know, this was the uh, the guy that was brought in with a bias for action. So Russ just um, sounded like the president there in that movie where the asteroid was going to hit. I wish you all well. Godspeed, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but don't, was that was that? Don't look up. Is that it was more, no? It was Morgan Morgan Freeman. I think it was uh, uh, Deep Impact. Oh, Deep yeah. Impact. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Basically, well, you I have no chance. Godspeed. <laughs> have you ever God heard? Have you ever heard Russ's? Uh, have you ever heard Russ's Morgan Freeman Bundy? I'm sure it's great. You want to do one quick, Russ? Yeah, I Russ. want it. Yeah, well, well, Bundy, it's been a great day, and it's been a fantastic stream. Godspeed <laughs> to everyone out there as we cheer on these Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> All right. And with that's that, it. we're done. Good that's stuff. That's it. Thanks, everybody. We will talk to you again next week on So the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast.